Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is Broadband Part 2. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hey, it sounds like a podcast. There we go. We got a podcast today. Over there uh, is Sam Tootin. Hey, how's... What, what do I say? What's going on? That's what you say. <laughs> Man, phew. That's what you say. I got that turkey brain on my... on you know, That's today. time. That's that time. And over there, across from me, is Brett Alfin. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Look, Jared can't make fun of me today. Yeah, we are, we are missing our host, Jared Perry, uh, who's home sick with his little girl, but that's all right. Because today we're going to talk about broadband again. We did do an, an episode on broadband earlier this year where I kind of went through a long presentation about kind of the challenges of broadband in Appalachia. If you haven't heard that, maybe pause and listen to that. I kind of go through a ton of data. I'm going to be referring to some of that stuff here as we talk about this, but uh, that's a great that's a great primer for what we're about to talk about today. So, Brett, why don't you talk to us a little bit about why you uh, wanted to bring this up and uh, talk about it today? Yes, so I kind of brought this up. I've been watching, as many people have been, the infrastructure bill and a lot of the other legislation that's happening right now. And clearly, broadband is at the heart of a lot of those conversations. And I was reminded of this short, I guess it's a movie. Yeah. I guess it's a movie. It's a short movie, short video that I saw a couple years ago called Do Not Pass Go by a company called Hyrax Films. Um, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's on Vimeo for free. That talks about a broadband issue in a rural community in North Carolina. And I saw this. This came out in 2017, and I saw an early draft of it in, I think it was 2016. Yeah. And I told Sam and I told Jared, it aggravated me to watch it then. And quite honestly, I watched it again last night, and I still I felt just as aggravated, if not more. So I agree. I, agree. I wanted to talk, to, uh, talk about it uh, with these guys. Well, the issue is important in order to keep this dialogue going about how, you know, we are coming out of coming out of the pandemic. We are doing a lot of remote uh, work, a lot of remote learning, um, and the fact that we have people out there with very limited access uh, to Internet. Uh, this conversation probably will not stop uh, moving forward. But what this video, I think, highlights is obviously the challenges um, yeah. And previous challenge that communities have faced in trying to get access, you know, broadband access to everybody. And to Sam's point, you know, the pandemic, I think, showed us that we can do a lot of these things remotely and maybe we should. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to in the future. I mean, obviously, many folks will return to the office and it'll go back to normal. But for many yeah. folks um, that are working and living a remote lifestyle, like that's what it's going to be from here forward. Yes. Which is good. Uh, it's new opportunities for folks, especially folks in communities like ours. So, I mean, that's, that's all good if you have robust broadband. And yeah. if you don't, then you're on the outside looking in. And that's really what we want to talk about. Well, on, in the start of this, this little, let's call it a mini docu video, right? I mean, yes. it's about 20, 22, 23 minutes long, um, is a couple who had upload and download speeds of like one megabyte yes. uh, per second. And she was just received a job, I think, do like GE. She had a pretty good job, yeah. it, it seemed like. 
but it was all remote. You had to have a speed test just to apply. Um, and now they're facing, you know, they were at that time facing uh, the shutdown uh, on disconnect services of yep. this community broadband. So even then from 2018, you know, several years before the pandemic, that was just as much important as it is now. Yeah. And the, the general background is this community in North and rural North Carolina, which is very small, was served by CenturyLink and also by Time Warner. Yeah. And they give a lot of examples of, you know, very delayed service calls, service interruptions, um, paying, you know, for an advertised speed and then not getting anything close to that speed um, in actuality. So they do a great job of just kind of, and I think that experience is unfortunately par for the course in rural communities. It's like, unfortunately, the narrative becomes, well, you chose to live way out there, so yeah. you can't have this or you can't have that. And I just, I don't, as a person, I don't buy that. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, and and these gentlemen and ladies were really at the heart of that. And so what they did was they got fed up with that. Yeah. And they borrowed $28 million to build their own fiber network in their community yeah. and, and established their own service and provided it to residents and it was less expensive. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It was like factors of like a hundred times faster than what they had. Yeah. And so the, and everybody loved the service. I mean, it, I mean, they, they do a great job of kind of going through the video and like, yeah, it was amazing. And it was the best thing we ever had. Yes. And then what happened was time Warner found out. Yeah. And uh, they didn't like it. <laughs> And so they activated. Well, <laughs> and then they activated their lobby yep. in the state legislature, and basically got a bill passed that said, uh, you know, they were basically making accusations that lo- local governments had unfair advantage uh, with through taxation and other things that they could compete in ways that the private companies couldn't. And so they basically found an uh, and a champion in the state house that uh, authored a bill, and it was passed, and basically prohibited this from happening anyplace else. So they could have their little network. They could expand it within their County. Yeah. But there could be no more of this in the state. And then subsequently other States took up that, that position as well. And even including, you know, Ohio was make, was inching toward that earlier this year. Luckily it didn't happen, but it definitely got people's attention when that happened. And that champion from North Carolina was Marilyn Avia, the NC state rep at the time who co-sponsored the level playing field yep. bill in 2011. Um, basically, um, what did she, you know, that made this claim that they had the unfair advantage. Right. Um, so as it passed green light community broadband there in Wilson was able to um, stay within the County as Brett mentioned, but then, um, the FCC had a ruling which allowed Greenlight to expand its uh, network um, to this town called Pine Tops. Right. And first of all, I got to say, I love the names. A dope name. They are dope names. And my buddy lived in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Just, I, love, I love North Carolina uh, town names. It's awesome. Uh, but after that ruling, the state of North Carolina then sued the FCC, um, making it all the way to the Sixth Circuit Court, or Federal Sixth Circuit Court, and the... Uh, ruling was against the FCC. Right. You know, in my opinion, this video explores an unrealistic opinion that we have about our society's use of internet and access to broadband uh, to get back to that topic. And because Marilyn was quoted in there saying, uh, basically, you know, to throw away the tape after the interview, 
And then yeah. she, she uh, <laughs> I prefer uh, if you destroyed this tape. Yeah. She funds nursing homes and psych facilities. And uh, we are a PG podcast, um, you know, but basically, you know, she, her priorities are different than someone complaining about 50 megabytes of internet. Yeah. And it's, it's, Please watch this video. It's 25 minutes long. But this segment, to me, is, like, very cringeworthy. And so she's she's talking about, well, here's a binder of 39 case studies of municipal networks that have failed. Yes. Well, where did you get that, ma'am? You know, I don't really remember. (laughs) Uh, Right. So so there's this very awkward moment. And then he's also asking her about, well, what type of speed do you have at your house? Well... I'm supposed to have a hundred, but I haven't had a speed test in a while, so I'm not exactly sure. And it becomes very clear that, you know, she's likely been provided this binder by telecom, you know, parties. And she clearly has a great service at home and she's not suffering the challenges that these folks in Wilson and Pine Tops are facing. And she quickly puts together that this does not look good for me. Yes. And I am done with this. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, and it's, it's tough because the guy, the the gentleman is asking, like, he's being very respectful. Yeah. He, he's asking legitimate questions, but the the order in which I guess the questioning is happening is just got, it's got her attention. And it's very... Definitely escalating to a point. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good, it's a good line of questioning, but it's, it's a good moment of um, showing that, you know, maybe we don't have everybody's best interest here. And this is kind of yes. where I, I would, this is kind of where I'm going to detour off into a, maybe my first hot take. So the, the, the hot take here is there's a general feeling around broadband. And I had this experience in my past life being on the phone with providers and being on the phone with these companies and basically talking about we have some of the smallest communities out there that, that want this service, that need the service. They have barely operating phone service. They have cable copper that's decrepit. It's decades past its useful life. Yeah. And quite honestly, for some of these places, it's a life safety issue. Yeah. You know, the phone service goes out and I can think of a community not very far from here, but the phone service will go out just for, you know, 10 days at a time. And th- there doesn't seem to be any urgency to get out there and fix it. They have very little internet. There's, there's little to no cell phone service. So it's literally the only thing they have. Yeah. And w- what I heard with my own ears from providers, when we talked about the idea of, well, what, how would you feel about, you know, what if there was a publicly funded network there? Because clearly you're not going to provide service there. That, yeah. That's what we're saying. Clearly you're not going to provide service there. It's in your service territory. There's no ROI for you because you have to build the infrastructure to get out there. Yeah. And once you build it out there, you got to depend on the fact that folks are going to subscribe. Yes. And I personally think folks would subscribe. I'm looking at some research here that I was part of a couple of years ago that says, you know, uptake in places is up to 40% right away. And a third of those, I think it was a third of those folks opt for the highest uh, tier of speed that's available to them right away. Wow. And so the feeling is that, well, we could provide service there, but we're not going to. Yeah. And what goes unsaid is, and nobody else can either. Yeah. That's the thing that's unsaid. This is our area and we'll serve it if we want to. Yeah. And if we can't, nobody else can. Yeah. And imagine if you're the mayor of this town who's trying to support citizens, support business, support anything, support public safety services, yeah. knowing that they're not going to come to you because it's a, not an ROI thing. And so you decide to take it into your own, own hands, just like they did. Yeah. 
And basically I heard with my own ears, these folks say, well, that's fine. I mean, you can try to do that. It'll probably fail. And even if, even if you are successful, like we'll sue you. Yeah. Like just in no uncertain, just very straight, just very matter of fact. Yeah. And so what are you supposed to do? I guess that's what we're left with is, is what are you supposed to do? And it's, and it, it's just aggravating and I'm getting aggravated now just thinking back to it because they could do it if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not a low hanging fruit that has like immediate ROI yes. in, in dollars and cents. And I understand, trust me, Jared in yeah. spirit, Jared. I know businesses have to make money. I get that. Yeah. I live under the impression that these businesses make so much money other places, they could probably stand to lose a little bit of money in some places to provide something that would literally be life-changing. True. So it's easy for me to say it's not my money, but that's the situation we're facing because many of our communities are in this exact predicament. They'll never have service because it costs, it's expensive to build it. Yeah. But, but what we found is if somebody would build it, well, yeah, we'll, we'll provide service tomorrow. And then Sam, you remember in the video, they say that they disconnected the green lights yeah, and CenturyLink came back and magically their service was like 10 times faster yeah, and it was cheaper. Amazing. Now again, spirit of Jared, (laughs) the competition has done that. And I agree. Yeah. Um, and it, but the opposite is also true in some of these places and these most rural communities, there is no competition Mm -hmm. to have, you're lucky to have one provider that can do anything. So anyway, I'll stop ranting there, but it's, this is not just happening in North Carolina. This is happening in communities that are within arm's reach of yeah. where we are right now. Well, look, maybe, maybe we're, we're failing to see, you know, or people are failing to see that, you know, we are treating these marketplaces like they're even across the board. Sure. I mean, there's no market here. We're talking about, and these companies aren't going to do it because that, that, it just isn't going to produce for them. But that's different than maybe a community with 15,000 people a community with 20,000 people sure. and then obviously a big metropolitan area that's got a hundred plus thousand people. So, you know, where do we, where do these people turn to? Well, they turn to their state for help. Right. I mean, it's good to note here that the, uh, you know, Wilson, North Carolina borrowed money and got approval from the state of North Carolina to do this project. Yes. So, you know, what are our options if we're going to get denied at that level? Um, it's, it's obviously pretty clear. There isn't any, and, you know, I don't, it's, it's sad because we look in our area here, we have fiber coverage within town. Now it is, it is costly. I know it's costly for our building to look at getting fiber. Sure. Just from a couple buildings down. Um, and obviously what that service is, but that stretches out, that doesn't, that fiber network doesn't stretch out too far um, into, you know, more rural, the Southeast Ohio. So I guess we just, how do we move, maybe how do we move past the dialogue that we got to quit treating these, you know, markets like they're the same for rural America? Right. And I think the first step is, and I think we've been making strides in this area, is that it's a utility like anything else. Yeah. And that's important. And that's important. And I know that it's easy to just like say that in words, but when I, what I really mean is when something is declared a utility, you know, it takes on a higher level of necessity and requirement and regulation for communities, but also it opens it up to new opportunities for funding and other support. Yeah. So having it as a utility, and there's a mayor in there, and I think he's the mayor of Wilson. He, mm-hmm. he makes a great point. He says in his uh, great North Carolina draw, he says, yeah. you know, we've, we view broadband just the same as water and sewer. Yeah. Like you have to have it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a critical 
service uh, that's just a requirement of a, of a well-functioning, well-served community. And I agree with that. I mean, I, I think, think, think back to when we watched the growing up poor in Appalachia, yeah. right? The, the young ladies that were in Columbus that were like job searching, they were doing it all on their phones. Absolutely. And so, to me, so much of our daily lives and participating robustly in daily life today requires you to be on the internet, as Jared would say, see you on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have to, and so if you're not, you're just behind. And yes. you can't do, you can't job search. You can't do education. You can't apply for benefits. You can't seek healthcare if you yeah. can't be online. And so, you know, our communities are already behind in so many ways and we're continuing to fall behind here. And what makes me so aggravated is it just feels intentional. Yes. When I hear providers say we could do it, but we're not going to. Yes. That's when my temperature just completely goes through the roof. Yes. <laughs> well, you think of, think of the up, the startup of internet and technology as it grows and progresses is kind of, you know, it's an amenity at one point. Right. And then it becomes, ut- and then it becomes the utility and then it becomes needed across the board. Yeah. Cause we could say the same about electricity at one point where it was an amenity. It wasn't the way of life. Yeah. It becomes part of the way of life. And now we must have access to it on a, on a daily, on a daily, you know, daily routine. I said this before and I told the story before and I'm going to tell it again because I'll just, I will never forget it. During one of these conversations with a provider, this person had the audacity to say to myself and a highly respected telecom consultant that we were working with and some other folks from our, that we were in our stakeholder group. They said, you know, we've looked at the traffic for like Eastern Ohio and Southern Ohio. And, and, you know, when people do have internet, they're watching days of our lives. They're playing Xbox. They're, they're streaming Netflix and doing other stuff. They're not doing education. They're not doing economic development. And I mean, I, I literally became speechless because like talk about the ultimate cop out. Yeah. Everybody is doing that. Yes. Everybody watches Netflix. Everybody goes to eBay. Everybody goes on Amazon. Everybody watches yes. a, f- a funny video of a cat. Yeah. But everybody's also doing the other stuff. And to insinuate that community, rural communities don't deserve it yeah. because that's their opinion is even now is infuriating to me. Yes. And I'm telling you this, dear listeners, because as folks in rural communities, this is what some of these other folks think about what's going on in our communities and it's just patently false. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's and it's unproductive and damaging. Yeah. And it's really it's unfair. I mean, yeah. it's unfair just to assume that. Yeah. Man, wow. I'm going to have to I'm have to go for a walk after this. Right <laughs> is getting mad. I'm getting heat. I wish Jared was here. <laughs> see, look at this guy. Well, I guess obviously we know from this from the end of this video that there was they you know 19 states um, that restricted Community broadband. Yep, Washington just passed the bill. I think they lift lifted their restriction, so it's down to eighteen total states appear to have total restrict you know, restriction. How can we move forward in the conversation, especially you know Appalachian Ohio, yep. the Appalachian region, and any rural area outside of that to to really bring this forth? Because I think you know I think the real struggle of internet connect 
connectivity is worth always sharing. I mean, I even had it. I We only had one provider out in my little suburb. I mean, I had it easy. Right. But it kept going in and out. And come to find out, it's because of squirrels. <laughs> and, you know, inf- in- exposed infrastructure is, and this is true to the power grid, gets exposed. It has its own lifeline, you know. So if I'm not going to get that upgraded, my next best thing that comes in when it's a new service is I'm going to change. Yeah. And if that provides them to come, the other company to come in and up their ante and provide better infrastructure, that's what competition is. Yes. You know, and I, it's, that's healthy. Right. But we got to balance between, we got to have a balance between healthy competition, but also providing a service for people who need it. Sure. And I think the heart, and so I, I'm, I know I'm being critical here, but I will say this. Um, I, I think in the last few years, Ohio has made great strides in this area. Yeah. I think part of it has come from a focused, um, cohesive advocacy effort from rural communities, including ours. And I'm like proud to have played like a tiny, like a tiny role in that effort. But that advocacy is really important because it's like water and sewer here, Sam, think about it. Think about how many people have come down here to communities like ours and don't realize that like people are on septic. Yeah. Or people have wells, you know, and that, that still is a surprise to people in the same way that they're still surprised that there is limited cell phone service or, yeah. or in this particular case that there is no or very little broadband. Yeah. So, but I will say, you know, Ohio has a broadband office. They've, they've created and passed and are enacting and taking steps forward on a broadband plan. There's been several different bills that have come through the state house that, have provided funding. So, I mean, kudos to them. You know, Peter Voderberg that works at Broadband Ohio, a friend of mine, doing an awesome job. If in a one in a million chance you're listening, Peter, keep keep going. Yes. Um, you know, Lieutenant Governor Husted's been big on this through Innovate Ohio. And so the good things are happening in Ohio. Yeah. There have been efforts, you know, through the legislature to also to limit some, some of these things happening publicly. But I'll say this. I think the hardest pill to swallow in this whole effort it, in just Ohio yeah. is accepting that in order for this to happen in the most rural communities, government will have to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think that's been the hardest pill to swallow True. because there aren't enough companies, there aren't enough providers that are willing to go out to Amesville and Cutler yeah. and Chansey and Jack, do you know what I mean? And yeah. all these places. And so at some point, the, the, the ROI on those is so low for them to ever have anything. There has to be some level of subsidy and assistance to help that happen. I agree. And that was a hard pill to swallow for folks. Yeah. And, and I think we have finally, it finally hit our collective stomach. Yeah. And we figured out that, okay, we're going to have to do like provide some help to some of these communities to like, I'm not even talking about leveling the playing field. I'm talking yeah. about like, just come in the dining room. Yeah. We're just, not at the table yet. We're, yeah. We've just opened the door and maybe stuck our face in. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so th- there's still far to go in this video. And the sad part about this video is, what started happening there in 2011 is basically still happening. Yeah. And there has been some progress, but it's, there are still a lot of challenges and there's still a lot of, there's still a long way to go. And most importantly, we can't take our foot off the gas of saying, this is important. We need this. We deserve it like anybody else. Um, we can't get it the way you do. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to need some help. And so, Help us. Yeah. And, and I don't, and I'm not, 
I'm not above saying that that help is needed. I, mean, I, I just, I don't see any other way for that to happen in these communities that we're talking about. Well, I think you're right. And there was a quote from a gentleman there. It seems that to be from a town hall meeting in, in Pine Tops in the beginning of the, of the clip, talk about small town USA just being bypassed. So is it, you know, these conversations are, are, are happening because maybe the fear there with these states is that, you know, these bigger, the bigger cities, the Raleigh's, the Charlotte's are, are right. the ones that are going to, where the real ROI for these other private entities yep. are, is, is going to be completely shut down. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's just ag- advocating for the voice of the small town to, to sh- you know, say that we, we're not going to be able to get this any other way. Yep. And the, the fact that if you have one megabyte upload and download and maybe you could jump up to 50 still is like you're saying, you're still to die, like in the, you're in the door, but you're no way on the table. Yep. And, and go back and listen to the, I mean, I don't need to give another hour lesson on advertised speeds and who has got funding from the FCC in the past to provide service to the tune of billions of dollars, which, which just never happened. Yeah. And it, and I, I can think of a provider out there that basically, in my opinion, would be bankrupt Yeah, were it not for these funds over the years and has not really produced the level of service that they're supposed to produce for it. So there's a whole other podcast about that yeah. <laughs> where I go through all of that. Um, and I, and I think some of that is still, we're still asking those questions. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll bring up is, so you see in the video, they're talking about fiber to the home. Yes, And in the research that we have done in Appalachian, Ohio over the last several years, we're also advocating for fiber over the home. And for this reason, let's spend our money one time. Yeah, it, I get that it's expensive, but the speed of light is always the speed of light. Yeah, With a fiber network, the, the useful life of it is way longer than wireless or any other, any other infrastructure. And so let's do it one time and let this network live for for 10 20 30 40 50 years we can upgrade the equipment on the ends a lot easier yeah. than we can upgrading physical lines all the time and other things so again there's information out there uh, if you go to connecting appalachia you'll find a lot of great research that's been done about local communities talking about how we came to the solution that a fiber to the home while it is expensive is probably the best bet I mean, and this is really our moonshot yeah. i mean this is t- taking communities like ours from, again, just stepping into the dining room yeah. to being in the pole position. Yes. Yeah. A complete game changer. You know, so this is the moonshot, literally, for our communities. And so there, there are ideas out there around that. It takes a ton of money. It does. But here's the lucky thing. Um, we have money. <laughs> and, and, and we can, our economy, you know, we, we have money. We can create, there are ways we can fund these things. That what we can't do is change the hearts of men, which is what we're talking about yes. here about, yeah. you know, we're just limiting it for, for a number of reasons. But um, qu- quite honestly, for me, the funding, while it is tremendous, is not the biggest challenge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> And with that, I will shut up for well, we're, we're, yeah, we're limiting it, but we're not providing any useful solutions to, to right. really solve the, solve the or issue. Alter- or alternatives. Well, because, and you're talking about, and I, think wanna, I just want to make a quick note, you know, fiber to the home. Just because there's a claim that there's fiber, you know, within a community or a service provider provides fiber, doesn't mean that it's fiber actually to the home, right? It's fiber to a point, and then it's what coax. I mean, then it's then it's then it's different. So, you know, when we talk about upgrading technology or access to the fiber network, which provides a unlimited, right, or an affinity amount of of, of capabilities to it, that that up 
which has no limitations for upload and download speeds and upload sure. being especially important for businesses, for the remote learning, Zoom, sure. things that require, you know, not downloading, but actually you put you putting things back out there, yep. which what a Zoom call ultimately would do. Yep. So I don't think, I mean, I think we're, we're I, th- I think we're good. I think are we good? I think we're good. I think we? I think we want to leave the note for for the listeners, obviously out there, is that the dig, digital divide is still real. Yes, it's still worth talking about. Yes, it's still worth advocating for access to internet uh, as we are a changing model of economy and yep. resources and what we need to do. So, I appreciate the hot takes from Brett today, as always, and I think, but uh, and more importantly, watch the video. Learn a little bit of how a community came together to provide a service. Sure. And how it kind of quickly got shut down. And that really, the shutdown does not fix the solution. It does not fix the problem and offers no solution for rural and small town. Yep. I mean, yeah. And Sam's saying a great point there. And and I'm I'm on the rant of all rants today. So thank you for sticking around for the rants. But I will say this, you know, shout out to Greenlights, Pine Tops, Wilson, those citizens, those leaders for taking the bold step to take it into their own hands yeah. and find a solution that will work for them. And, you know, they paid $28 million. Yeah. I mean, that. Let's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's, it's commendable. It's amazing. And it is it, community owned. It, it is. Oh. And, and, and I get that that's hard and not everybody, every community can do that. But I think every community should have the option to do that. Correct. And that's, I think, where I'll leave it. That's a great point to leave it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, for in any way you listen to our podcast. Make sure you check out our Facebook page. Uh, make sure you check out our website, www.mytownhustle.com, and become a member of our community where we post videos and other things as we progress here into the end of the year and everything else. And until next time. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We are